You're fed up with the 9 to 5. You've been working hard for years and you're just not seeing the results you want. You want to break free from the traditional career but don't know how. Business Breaks is here to help. Welcome to Business Breaks, the podcast that takes you on a deep dive into the world of business. I'm your host, Dante Healy, and today we have an awesome guest with us, a genuine expert in the realm of digital marketing. I am absolutely thrilled to introduce you to David Shaw, a marketing and technology consultant, author, and speaker. David's entire mission is rooted in helping individuals and companies navigate the ever-changing landscape of digital marketing. And let me tell you, he's passionate about it. David has this profound yet straightforward goal. He wants to empower businesses by unlocking the true potential of technology and showing them how it can be harnessed to achieve their marketing objectives. So in this day and age, technology is transforming the very fabric of how we do business and having someone like David on our side becomes really crucial. He ensures that we not only understand these changes, but also equip ourselves with the right tools and knowledge to deliver outstanding services and experiences for our clients and prospects. Now, whether you're a seasoned business owner who's seen it all before, an aspiring entrepreneur with grand visions, this episode is for you. Get ready to be inspired as we explore the transformative power of digital marketing and how it can take your business to new heights. David, welcome to the show. Hi, absolute pleasure to be here, Dante. And thank you. It's, it's great to have you here. Um, I'm thrilled, really, with uh, your insights. And before we plunge into the discussion, let's learn a bit more about you. So, David, could you share a glimpse of your background and what inspired you to become a marketing and technology consultant. Yeah, absolutely. So I've always been involved in uh, IT predominantly, um, and to this day, I, I, I run and uh, manage director of a of an IT firm, as well as doing an awful lot of consulting around the digital space. But it's always been, yeah, IT is where I come from. So I find there's two different types of marketers. There's the creative ones that have uh, that have come from their creative background, and there's the more technology based ones. So that's where I sit. I sit in that that technology side of marketing. Um, so yeah, always worked in IT my whole life, worked in large pharmaceutical for, for many, many years, and then into the uh, uh, into the small business space, originally around accounting software, believe it or not, and then coming out of that into sort of the normal sort of managed service provider, always in sort of a sales and marketing capacity, sort of led myself into that, uh, and uh, yeah, ended up running my own uh, yeah, consultancy and IT company and have done for many years. Wow, that's interesting because obviously my background was in accounting and I transitioned from accounting into technology. And yeah, business is not always linear. And you know what? To be honest, the non-linear careers tend to be the most interesting ones in my experience. <laughs> Can you tell us a little bit about how you got to uh, infusing your technology background with marketing and how that has influenced your work going forward? Yeah, absolutely. So working in various different IT companies uh, in my sort of early 20s in a sales and marketing capacity and ended up working and sort of co-creating a, a virtual desktop organization. And um, as part of that process, I sort of headed up that sales and marketing division. 
And that's where my sort of passion really sort of kicked in as I started to try to understand what was what was new, what the what the, the new ways of doing sales and marketing. And I kind of found myself that was that bit of an apex really in terms of content marketing was just starting to kick in a little bit. I sort of found podcasts. I started finding, you know, all the sort of big named uh, authors and so on, and really just found that I had this genuine passion for for how they were doing it. Things were really changing. You know, people were starting to realizing that the old ways of doing business had stopped working. You know, the, uh, the internet was really coming of age a little bit. You know, that Web 2.0 was really kicking in. Um, and I just found it absolutely fascinating, particularly where I, I saw this this opportunity. Okay, if the world's changing at this moment in time, the way we do business, it's really important for me as I'm involved in a senior position of business. I need to understand this. And I, what I found was that no one really seemed to be talking about it. No one was really blogging about it or creating, a, you know, not particularly in the, you know, in, in my area. So I started learning as much as I possibly could, ended up on the speaking circuit, ended up getting involved in startups. And yeah, just I, I just was sort of, I started documenting my own journey a little bit in terms of trying to understand how it was. So I was just thirsty for knowledge around sales and marketing and that intersection. And what I found, Dante, is that, that where I believe that that key is, is that intersection between where sales and marketing are and where technology glues those three things together. And that intersection between those three elements is where I believe the magic happens. And what we've seen over the last sort of 10, 20 years is technology getting more and more involved. You think how a traditional marketer might have been more into direct mail and print and events and those sort of more sort of offline methods. They never got into it wanting to, you know, understand how Google Analytics works or, you know, uh, you know how to build websites and landing pages and all the amazing things that technology has brought along with it. So this is where there was that transition where the two different sort of marketers sort of came together. So for me, it was sort of scratching my own itch. You know, I was in a business, needed to grow sales. I could see that the world was changing and I just threw myself at the deep end. Wow. Inspiring story and a lot, lot to digest there in terms of all of those facets of business and technology and how you how you effectively blend the three concepts together with sales marketing, growing your business and using technology to augment what you already have in terms of that functional skill set with the uh, with uh, with automation and, and I guess that all comes around to what I've been getting into for the last uh, almost a decade now is that digital transformation and how you embrace it and it sounds like you really took it on when it was in its relative infancy which is a yep. great time to be there really uh early early adopter if you will absolutely uh, we're, we're you know we're sort of a similar age Dante and I think that we were yeah. we were fortunate enough to remember a time before the internet um and you know and so we've seen you know a technology come in and really impact society and change the way not just businesses operate but how people operate how we go about our lives you know so we remember that time beforehand when you know an internet connection my, my son doesn't believe there was a time before the internet you know it doesn't you know doesn't believe it but we were there at the very beginning with our you know our full team 4k modems you know and trying to you know get access and <laughs> we're on metered internet access that type of stuff so it's been a fascinating journey for us both i imagine as we've we've come into the you know our professional careers at a time when yeah technology is definitely impacting the way businesses and people operate yeah i mean i'm of an age where i can remember my first mobile phone being a proper brick and you know you remember worm <laughs> yes <laughs> that was our entertainment 
and you know sending sms's was really at that time that was really advanced you know and um, expensive yeah. as well <laughs> oh don't get me started <laughs> oh my god the monthly fees uh so i guess in terms of now we've we've moved from when things weren't digital and we were we weren't in a hyper connected or reality everything was done on paper you had you had things signed for uh, digital transmissions digital documents were basically facts um and you know what i'll be honest it wasn't that long ago i i left a company that still had uh, certain branches that actually had active fax machines in their offices <laughs> But how can businesses effectively adapt to the ever-evolving digital landscape uh, in order to leverage technology to stay competitive? Is there a best way to go about that? Or is there no one-size-fits-all and it just depends on on the circumstances of the business? What do you find are the main drivers underlying that need for transformation? Yeah, so I, I think the, the the need comes from um, businesses where their 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 growth is stagnant, um, you know, and and they know that things have changed. Uh, and I think where where they really need to start is they need to spend that time initially, just understanding that that value they provide in their business, whether that's a product or a service, whatever it might well be, taking the time to actually look at the way you deliver value and saying, okay. My competitors aren't just the people that are in the same industry providing the same products and services. My competitors now could be any other way that that value is delivered. You know, it doesn't necessarily have to be the same product or service. It's the value ultimately they're delivering. Is somebody else delivering, solving that problem in a different way that might involve technology. So you, you need to make sure as part of your your annual planning, you need to present a percentage of your time, energy, and budget on looking at these new technologies and just uh, just to understand them and say, okay, how could this potentially impact my business? You know, for example, if you're a long-distance lorry driver right now, you might want to be thinking about where your career might be in 10 years' time. We already know that, that there's been tests already done in the UK where lorries have successfully driven one side of the country, the entire length of the country, completely automated, um, and it's been successful. So we know that you know, eventually that's something where, you know, a, a company, so if you own a, a a fleet of lorries, you might be thinking, when do you make that investment into the automation side of it and do the self-driving lorries? And, you know, what else is going to be after that? Is it going to be taxes? Is, you know, where possibly could technology be impacting that value that you provide? So um, the book I published was called Evolve and Become Obsolete. And the idea was that was about Doing exactly that, taking that time to, to 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 look at what technology and how that could potentially disrupt the way you deliver value, uh, and really just take that time each time to look at you know what's new each and every single time, whether it's AI today, whether it's augmented reality, whether it's the blockchain, whatever it might all be, how could that potentially impact your business? And then what you ideally need to do is understand: do you need to be disrupting yourself? You know, that's the way I'd, I always like to encourage businesses to look at it. Could you be the one that's going to produce that next product or service in your business rather than get disrupted by somebody else? Thank you very much for those insights. I, I completely agree. Um, moving on from that, what are some key strategies for organizations to successfully implement digital transformation initiatives? How do they execute in your experience? What's the keys to success? 
Yeah, I think so. For me, the first key is understand that digital is not just marketing. Um, I think a lot of people, when they hear sort of digital transformation, uh, and we know it's been a, 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 a widely used term for a while now with, a, with a, a lot of people not really understanding exactly what it is. So it's not just digital marketing. In actual fact, digital uh, is something that goes throughout your entire business. And it should be something that's managed by just the marketing department. I think it's got to have somebody who's got a genuine understanding of business as a whole because digital impacts every single area of the business, whether that's accounting in a, in a, in the finance side of it, whether it's leadership level, whether it's you know the customer service side of it, digital has an impact. And that's because the customer is ultimately touched by every single one of those departments. There's touch points across all of them. Uh, and to do true digital transformation, you've got to have that entire holistic view. You've got to go through the entire process and, and understand. So that's where I'd really start at that point. Uh, and the other one is I think where digital transformation projects sometimes struggle a little bit is that communication internally between all the stakeholders and the staff that are in there. So still, you know, Simon Sinek's sort of, you know, like it's, it's that why. That's the bit that a lot of them understand. So I think they need to stakeholders need to really make sure they get it, you know, get the entire company on board with it, explain to them why they're trying to achieve this. They're the ones that are often talking to people on the front line, um, ask them about, you know, where they think the digital can make sense and how it can it can impact them. Uh, and also where the potential pitfalls could be, because they're the ones that, again, they're dealing with it. So communicating internally is absolutely key. And then obviously that last one is, yeah, focusing on that, that, the value that we provide earlier and making sure that's first. You know, technology is not always the answer. As much as we'd love it to be, and in a digital transformation project, we can sometimes be guilty of trying to shoehorn a technology into something where in actual fact it's not the best thing to do in that sense. So they're the sort of three areas where I believe are the, the key strategies for organizations to really successfully implement digital transformation. That's brilliant. Thank you, David. And a lot of what you just said absolutely resonates with me. Having done digital finance transformations for two large global organizations, I find there's a lot to be said for trying to understand really what the problem is you're solving and then find the most optimal solution for that. And I find also that with larger organizations, they tend to have well-resourced teams and they add a lot of experience. And if they don't have the experience internally, they have the resources to source external consultants who can help, which isn't always um, a luxury most smaller and me even medium-sized businesses have. And I know you help a lot of smaller, medium-sized companies to, to evolve and upgrade and update using the digital technologies that are out there and be able to custom the solutions for their specific cases and their needs and requirements. Uh, throughout that journey and in your experiences, what are some of those common challenges smaller businesses face when embracing digital transformation or even trying to, and how can they overcome those challenges? Um, I think the, 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 the biggest thing that gets in the way of a lot of small businesses is fear. Um, mm -hmm. In all honesty, a lot of uh, uh, we're in a, a unique time in history, Dante, where uh, a lot of small business owners have, have finally got to, or, or even sales managers, or marketing managers, they've worked really hard for a long time to get to the position they're into. Uh, this is becoming less and less as every year goes by, but they got their 
on the old ways a lot of the time, particularly sort of senior sales managers, that old to the old sort of cold calling days, um, you know, the you know, pound of the pavement, a lot of the old sort of ways of doing it. So uh, and now if they've got to now got to the point where they're a senior mem- you know, a senior management or even the owner of the business, they've done all that hard work and they've got to that point and now they're finding that yeah, the world's changed now you uh, technology is absolutely taking over and it's just not something they're not completely natural to and they uh, i think fear gets in a way a lot of it and there's very much a, that's the way we've always done it a mentality and they're the most dangerous words in business i think you know regardless of where you are what age you are what position you are you've got to understand that that there's you know where the only real constant is change and, and as humans we don't like change but we're gonna have to get comfortable with it because you know we're at the very, very beginning of, of where digital and technology is going to be impacting things, we're, we're, you know, we're right at the bottom of that curve. And it's going to be like hockey sticking up in terms of how things change. You think about how much has already changed you know, already in such a short space of time. And like I say, that acceleration is only going to get, it's going to get even faster and faster. So we do need to embrace that change. And this less of the sort of sticking to what we've always known. And a lot of people say, I, I wasn't born with all this technology and social media and digital. Um, but the truth is, I don't think age is a barrier in my personal opinion, Dante. I think that, you know, we you know, we didn't know how to drive at first and we worked it out mm. because it was important to us. And I think humans do have that ability that if something's important enough, we, 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 can, we can learn it. So I don't like to believe that age, is, age sorry, is, a, is a real barrier to this sort of thing. And I think in actual fact, understanding that the landscape has changed and will continue to change I think that's the key for small and medium businesses. Brilliant. And completely agree. I mean, people, when they feel like they're setbacks, they might immediately translate that as being failure. And they'll retreat back to what they know and what is comfortable, even though over the long term, they there's that need to actually, you know, if you're not, if you're not grow if you're not learning, you're not growing. And if you're not growing, you're dying. So yeah, it's 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 important to recognise that even if you do face those setbacks, you shouldn't let it keep you down. You just get back on it and you continue to try to understand the challenges you're facing with learning new technology. Because as you as we've just experienced, technology does fail regularly, <laughs> and it's just a natural course of having so much complexity, so much dependency on multiple things especially in the cloud i mean you're basically relying on externally hosted servers Uh, you're trusting them that they won't fail and not to mention the internet uh, connections especially with wireless Um, i mean that's already a dependency in your own home because you haven't plugged your ethernet cable in but yeah (laughs) absolutely yeah Thank you. And coming more to the marketing side and the customer experience side of your expertise, uh, with consumers now becoming increasingly well-informed and also very demanding and of what they need in terms of their particular preferences, how could small businesses leverage technology to be able to deliver not just tailored products and services, but also those tailored marketing campaigns. What do you find works best in those situations? I think it's really important to start off by understanding 
like you said there, it's that informed bit. How so? How people have changed? I think that's a really, really key part there because they are informed. They're educated by us now, um, and so that's really key that you do understand how your potential prospects and your customers already do operate. And I think we're guilty often in our businesses of of, of forgetting that we're also a consumer ourselves uh, and how we actually you know consume and buy products in 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 the real world for ourselves and our families. Uh, so I think taking that time to understand. The, that, that client persona of yours, how they learn, how they research, how they buy today, where they buy from, what are their preferences to do that. I think that's key there. Um, and understanding, you know, why they choose you, you know, what is it about your business that that makes you any, it makes you different? Why should they choose you? Why are you any different? And um, what, what are you any better? And and what do you offer that's that's different? You know, making sure that they, they, they stand out. You've got to have the, and then some of these are sort of marketing fundamentals, but I think if you're going to get down to that personalized elements of it, you really are going to, you know, leverage that technology to deliver these personalized marketing experiences. You've got to understand who you're personalizing and who you're marketing to in that first instance and making sure that your messaging is clear and you do differentiate yourself, you know, and make it that, that big curve. When it goes to technology, I think it's when to understand when to automate and when to do things that don't scale. Um because we are, we're also an age now where automation's been around for a few years. Some people are doing nothing, others are doing a lot of it, and some people are probably doing too much of it. And I think that key to understand when to automate and when not to automate is is, is a really key piece. We are now at a level where, like you say, they're informed by us, and they also understand sometimes that what they're getting is an automated series of emails, and this feels a little bit of lack of integrity sometimes behind them when you just know it's a computer it's not a human being so you're not engaged in that sales process so much so crafting those experiences and knowing when to automate because that informed part of it means that sometimes people want to have information on demand in their own time when they want it Uh, they don't want to have to talk to a human being there's a large part of that sales process which is that automation is key here uh, to make sure you deliver that information as and when and where they want it the other part of it, though, needs to be that personalized part of it. That that might be the outreach initially. It might be the final part of it. But understanding that part of when to really do that. Video um, emails, I think, are fantastic. People that take the time to personalize a need video that's specific to that one individual. And this ties into like activity-based marketing. I don't know if you've come across that before. So activity-based marketing is when you really focus on one car, one prospect at a time. Um, absolutely your marketing campaign is tailored just for them specific to those individuals to that industry to that company um and it doesn't scale but it's what works particularly that beginning part of the sales process then they come into your automated part to get a lot of information so understanding where in the sales process that you automate and when not to in order to to get those marketing campaigns to really stand out and um, and deliver that's brilliant and Definitely uh, great insights on marketing as such and also understanding, yeah, those stages where you should automate and when you shouldn't. And that's that's a that's a bit of an art form really. You only get that with experience because it's it may be that over time you should automate, whereas when you're just at the beginning, maybe those bits you need to control until you're confident in the process. Because there, there does need to be a certain element of hand-holding uh, because then you commit it to a, a standardized approach, one size fits all. It, you've got to be confident that there's something there 
that it, it can benefit from full-on automation. Um, thank you. Thank you for that, David. Very insightful. And moving on beyond that, what are some innovative approaches to leveraging customer data once you've got it? And obviously analytics uh, to create those personalized marketing strategies once you've gone past that initial launch or initial like early stage of your business. How do you how, how do you scale effectively? That's a really interesting question. I'll tell you what, what's interesting about this is again, particularly where we are in sort of in that stage, particularly around that sort of that data harvesting that we've been using, because we've been collecting a lot of data for a long time. A lot of companies then really not entirely sure what to do with that. That whole concept around big data, you know, mm. we're struggling with small amounts of data. So uh, I think it's it's a really interesting time, and again with that compliance piece in there. So it's that balance, getting it right between personalization, which we we expect, and privacy, and it's somewhere mm. between the two is what you've got to achieve is getting that balance right, which is ex extremely difficult. Um, I think here in Edgefact, we can actually lean back on an old classic from Seth Godin in terms of permission marketing. So permission-based marketing, I think, is where we're going to have to go now. Obviously, with the invention of GDPR and so on, where collecting personal data is becoming harder and harder, um, and you've got to have legitimate reasons for collecting that data uh, and making sure that they're informed and understand you've got it. So collecting data is harder and harder. Uh, particularly the analytical data as well, where you've got to collect that consent before you can do so. So now permission-based marketing, I think, is 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 the way forward. I think that's where that's where that sort of innovative approach is going to be for that side of it. Understanding and take your clients on that journey, tell them why you know what to expect, why you're asking for this data, what you're going to do with it, and how it's going to benefit them is going to be a big way. As if you've read Permission-Based Marketing with Seth Godin, it's a fantastic book. And I think it's one that is probably truer today than it ever was, um, you know, probably 20 years ago when it was originally published. Um, but I think today in that privacy versus personalization world, I think it's a, it's a unique challenge that I think Permission-Based Marketing is probably the only way forward. Thank you, David. And so true in this stage, in this day of so many scandals with people or companies and organizations misusing people's private data, it's so important to strike that balance between um, exploiting the digital asset you have, which is information, versus um, having approaching it in an ethical way. Obviously, you want to have advantages, but you don't want to be seen to be completely uh, taking advantage of people through that intelligence. You want to, as you say, strike a balance and actually segues nicely into my next question. How can businesses strike that right balance between, you know, being fully automated, using AI and all of these data sets and, and, and still having a human touch to differentiate yourself as a business and create that exceptional customer experience in the digital era where you feel like you're not just selling to people but you're you're serving them how do you think how do you think businesses can can effectively do that so it's it's back to a little bit of what we said earlier is that not jumping onto every new technology trend and trying to force it into your sales and marketing process mm -hmm. uh, evaluate it understand where you think it's going to add value 
Can you really use this technology to disrupt your marketplace, find another way of delivering that same value? But sometimes also ruling it out is equally as powerful and saying, okay, I understand what this technology does. I can answer. It doesn't quite fit for our target market or exactly who are the client persona we're targeting. It doesn't quite work for them to understand where to do it. So never force things into your sales and marketing process just because it's new and shiny, uh, which uh, I know we're both quite guilty of being fascinated by shiny new objects. Uh, and it's great to understand them. But then the real power is is that is that understanding where to fit it in here. And this comes back to your customer journey mapping. When you, which is an evolving process of understanding when you map out that customer journey and all those touch points, can we use automation here? Is it the right tool to do here? Can we use a different technology here to do so? Does this need to be something completely manual? Can we do a combination of something that's technology related, like a video-based email, um, you know, that's personalized, or maybe it's you know, it's up, it's it's taking that time at each point, looking at your those touch points. Um, and understanding, yeah, is this the right technology to implement it? Is it ultimately going to add value to the client's journey? Is it going to add value and give them more understanding? Is it going to move them closer to their goal? Not necessarily always your sale. Sometimes it's moving closer to their goal. And this is where it's key to understand, again, sometimes helping people rule themselves out of your products and service is the best thing you can do. And I know people get scared of it, but that's the way I would be approaching it. Brilliant. And and that's something that people don't actually think as a business. How do you disqualify people who might not be a good fit? Because at the end of the day, same with your example on shoehorning technology into your business, you can shoehorn a customer who might not be a good fit for your business and you end up losing money because it takes you further away from actually serving the people who you could serve well versus trying to serve someone who you want because you think you need to have as many customers as possible. However, some of those customers might, through no fault of their own, be loss-making because they're not a good fit at the end of the day. So, Absolutely. Brilliant. Makes complete sense. Thank you, David. And actually, going on beyond what's good for businesses of today to future trends and technologies in marketing, although a lot of people say the future is now, um, there's still uh, there's still uh, things on the horizon in this uh, in this age of generative AI and uh, technology rapidly accelerating. And actually, sorry, coming back to that, trying to shoehorn every technology, it's like the shiny new object seems to be chat functionality, right? <laughs> With ChatGPT, yeah. every app seems to have a AI powered chat assistant, but I I don't find that. I find that quite annoying personally because it's like it's so gimmicky now. <laughs> but I guess as technology continues to evolve rapidly, what emerging trends or technologies do you think will shape the future of marketing? And feel free if you think chatting chat GPT is a future, let me know. But um, I, I guess it had some for, some role in it. But do you see anything else? Yeah, so the, the, the two parts. So the ChatGPT side of it, let's be honest, is commoditized content creation in that sense, um, yeah. in terms of that side. So now everyone can, anyone can create huge amounts of content in a very short space of time. Um, and it, again, it's understanding, you know, where and when that is the right time to use that and when not to, because eventually customers will soon be able to spot it and get bored of it if it just doesn't have any personality. 
and you mm. you know and I'm sure I know there are video AI bots as well that can that could do it but again they're not quite there yet and I think that personal touch is is going to be is going to be really really important that's why I'm excited about the that that video based marketing that I think mm. that people are, you know that that personalized bit the bits that don't scale combining that with some of the automation I think that's where I can see the the big win is really happening. But in terms of the emerging trends and technologies, I think they could be game-changing. I think blockchain is going to be the thing that's ultimately going to disrupt um, the most of it. It's probably the most exciting thing as far as I'm concerned is what's going to absolutely change the business landscape. People are understanding, you know, they, they understand a bit about cryptocurrency and, you know, they've heard of Bitcoin and maybe Ethereum uh, and some of these things. They've got a bit of an idea of that. There was quite a bit of noise in the last 18, 24 months around NFTs, um, uh, and I still think there's a long way and a lot of possibility with NFTs as well. I can really see them making their way into mainstream eventually. Um, but blockchain, I think, is ultimately that technology all underlies it. I think that could be absolutely game-changing for many, many industries. Um, if you're in the financial sector or the technology sectors at all in any way, shape, or form, property, legal, anything like that at all, I think blockchain is something you need to be keeping an eye on. You need to be spending some time to understand it. Um is could fundamentally just change things. And I really think in the next five to 10 years, I think it will be one of the, the, the biggest things that are going to impact many, many different industries uh, over the next few years without a doubt. Absolutely see that happening in the future. And thank you very much, David, um, especially with content creation. There's going to be a lot of use cases and I, I've seen it already with blockchain and IP rights. So yeah, definitely. Uh, and I guess... In terms of that, how can businesses themselves stay ahead of the curve and effectively incorporate those emerging technologies such as blockchain? I was going to say AI, but I think that's kind of like we are there with AI, although there may be some additional maturity behind it. We're, we're still in the early stages of the hype cycle. Um, is Do you see things like the metaverse playing a role or any other emerging technologies into people into businesses marketing strategies yes i think all i mean the truth is there'll be there's definitely there's a place for all of these technologies in various different industries and it's about again being that selective processes as, as to where it is it all comes back to depending on the industry depending on your business and the, the products and services you supply you know does it add value to that sales process that sales and marketing process does it add value to any of the other you know back to the digital transformation part does using this technology does it make it more, your your team more effective your internal processes more effective um as well as the customer facing things in sales and marketing if, it, if that if you've got to keep that thing I was saying earlier, there's a book called Invincible Company. It's part of the Strategizer series. And they talk about having, you know, you've got your current business model and your future business model. And it's having that one eye on that next future business model and understanding, is technology really, you know, is this going to be part of that next business model that I've got to move into? Always making sure you've got one eye on that. Um, I mentioned it earlier, you need to be that disruptive you know that disruptive company that you've got you're looking out for you need to be that one you need to find a way of of eating out you know you're destroying your own business because you've already found the next way of delivering that same value in a much better way utilizing technology and it's that balancing part making sure you're serving your customers you're delivering an incredible experience 
keeping an eye on the future, testing new technologies, seeing how it's going to impact internally and externally with that value proposition piece. How can I incorporate this? Can it can it make a difference into my business, to my clients, to my you know to my staff? You know, to the way we do things, and to that potential new business model. Is this something that we can incorporate? Look into it. So taking the time to look into it and really evaluate it, but having that as a regular thing as part of your business, well, that's once a quarter, once a year, whatever it might will be. You've got to spend that small part of your time and energy just keeping an eye on what is next and what do all these things like ChatGPT and AI and all the rest. Of it. What does it all mean? Blockchain. What's that? How is that going to impact me, and my clients, and the way that we deliver value? Completely agree. And yeah, just sparked a lot of thoughts in me. I, I was almost daydreaming there about what the future holds and it is it can be uh, can be daunting as a task, but it's important that you actually you actually manage to keep an eye on your core business, what you're doing today in terms of your traditional legacy stuff uh, versus what's the future growth opportunities and trying to strike that balance between, you know, disrupting yourself, but doing it in a way that doesn't kill your business, because there has to be that transition to be managed, and 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 that again comes back to what you said about balance. It's it's doing it at the right time in the right way, uh, without upsetting your existing customer base. You want to continue to delight them rather than um, disrupt them. They they need to go on that journey as well. So being able to face them in is 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 kind of a good challenge to have if you and if you have that skill set even better <laughs> absolutely um brilliant and um you mentioned the importance of data privacy and ethical considerations uh and how they play uh, what's your view on how they how they impact the future of marketing and technologies and how do you think businesses should navigate these challenges? Because it's something that you've got opportunity, you've got compliance, and you've got to balance out the compliance with the commercial, you know, exploiting commercial opportunities and and th- uh, and being able to make sure your businesses are competitive. Uh, how? What do you think is the best way for businesses to proceed? and get the best of both worlds ideally absolutely this is such an important question and it's some it's so it's so important you know and it's right up my street this question you know it really sort of plays into where my strengths are so i think yeah compliance is absolutely key and it is exactly that getting the right outcome of of balance and you also mentioned there you know ethical considerations and that's huge and i'll tell you where i think a lot of businesses of all sizes not necessarily just smes but even like you know, enterprise level organizations need to understand that the ethical part of this is is absolutely key, particularly to that that generation now. We've got these millennials that are now starting to become business owners. They're going to those senior, those positions. That ethical piece around of it and that compliance piece, all of that is becoming crucial to that age group of people. They really matter to them about what a business represents, what it stands for. Uh, that moral line, that ethical consideration is a huge part of their makeup of that generation of people. Um, so whether it's because you're looking to employ those types of people or because they are going to be your future, they are your boss or they're going to be your boss, uh, they're the ones that are creating the new companies, that, that what you stand for, those values, of where you where you position yourself as an organization is so important to those guys. 
they understand more than ever about you know their, about their personal data. They they get it. They understand it. It's, it means something to them. Where some of the older generations might you know, it's less important because it was never a consideration for them. But it is certainly is now to that those that millennial group of of business owners that are certainly coming to play now. I believe that you can absolutely strike a balance between uh, be, uh, being an ethical organisation and how you manage data, and still being profitable. The interesting part, Dante, is that right now we've got you know got that big five. I mean, you've got you've got Google, and we've got Amazon, and we've got Facebook, and all the although those other organisations there, they're all profit making, which no one's got a problem with being profit making. But they've also got a lot of challenges with this personal data thing, you know, and that whole side of it. And I just wonder if there's going to be, we, we know that they've got challenges around that ethical consideration. And I've, I've actually done quite a lot of training on, on ethics in business. Um, and I've been part of another group of consultants where we talk about this and advise large organizations around ethics in business. And I'll be honest with you, Dante, it terrifies me. It terrifies me about, what, about, uh, about where we're going as a society. The problem overwhelms me at times where... We've got all of these things around ethics, particularly around those psychological natures of what these big companies can do. You know, and particularly you know, like you know, there's been examples where Facebook have been known to have been testing things out, theories on on members of you know the public with their Facebook profiles by only showing them negative things for a period of time in their feed, just to see how that potentially impacts them. That's messing around with things. So. That type of thing when it comes to ethics and digital and data is a real massive subject matter and a real concerning one that we need to get a grip of and a hold of. Um, I wonder if there's an opportunity eventually for someone to come in and say, we can do the same thing or we can provide a similar value. There's an opportunity for whether it's another Meta, i.e. Facebook, whether it's another Google, another Amazon, someone's going to come in and say, we're going to be transparent about your data. We're going to be honest about it. Here's how our, our, our business model works. Here's how we're going to make money. As opposed to this right now, everyone's using social media and uh, thinking it's free. When it's not, they are the product. You know, you're, you're, signing, you're, you're signing up to Facebook. You're giving it all of that personal information about you and your parents and your children and your pets and your holidays. And you're freely giving it away, knowingly that these companies are ultimately building profiles of you to sell to advertisers that data. And I don't think that, I think that, that I think that's become more and more aware now how those big organizations are profiting from us as individuals and using these psychological hacks to get us to spend more and more time on their platforms to advertise to us. So it's such a big product. I could talk about this on just one podcast on this, Dante, on that whole subject matter. But I think there could be opportunity in the future for somebody to come in and and actually take it because I think it is important. I think it's important to those that new generation of business owners. I think they want to see more transparency and they want to see more ethics. Uh, and I think there's opportunities for companies today to embrace that and 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 be very successful by doing so. Wow, David, consider yourself invited for a second episode because yeah, I'd love to cover that in more depth. Sounds like an interesting and fascinating topic. And a few thoughts that uh, hit me in terms of what you said about the testing, Facebook making people more depressed. On one hand, you're running an experiment. On the other hand, it's what are they measuring? Are they measuring how it negatively impacts the user or how much longer it keeps them on the platform? Because that that can be, you know, there's an ethical consideration. 
do I do I personally benefit at the expense of society? At what point do you draw the line and say, well, no, I can make a huge amount of money, but it's not worth it. I want to be able to look at myself in the mirror. But again, with large or faceless organizations, do they care? <laughs> that's that's the question. And there's also a lot of corporate skepticism. Even ESG, the numbers can be uh, tweaked. I, I read an article earlier today about how uh, how tobacco companies have higher ESG scores than Tesla, even though, you know, they're worse for society, they're worse for the environment. But, you know, yeah, they can, they can, uh, they can, um, shall we say, manipulate the metrics. It's at the end of the day, they're just KPIs. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, that's crazy. But, oh, wow. Um, consider yourself invited. If you'd love to come back for another conversation, uh, I'd love to... Uh, Pick your thoughts on um, on digital ethics and you know how how, how companies can go about it the right way because yeah it sounds like it'd be a riveting conversation but I'll yeah it's, when I'm it, very passionate about it. I'd love to I'd love to talk about it. I'm very passionate about that subject matter and I think yeah I think we could talk about it for a long time. Okay, well you're on. <laughs> we'll, <laughs> we'll talk about it after this show. <laughs> Thanks, David. Oh mate, it's been amazing. Um, so final questions are just really wrap up and closing out. Um, just uh, you as a person, David, what do you like to do in your spare heart, spare time? What's your hobbies? Uh, yeah, believe it, I, I read an awful lot of business books, which won't surprise you. Uh, I, I, I realize I know nothing. And so I, I try to uh, keep myself as, uh, as hungry as possible, and as educated as I possibly can and try to keep up myself. So I'm I, I, I read an awful lot. I listen to a lot of podcasts as well. And there's so much valuable, informative information for free in amongst the amazing podcasts that are out there in the community. So I do a lot of that as well. Uh, I still believe it or not, I try and play as much football as I can, despite my age. Uh, I played at the weekend and I'm seriously suffering at the moment. So I do that. And I've got, um, yeah, I've, I've got a, a, a 16-year-old son and I'd love the one on the way. Brilliant. And congratulations. And that segues into my next uh, question is, uh, what three books would you like to recommend to the listeners and why? I think actually, yeah, based off this conversation, I think actually, I think there's a, there's a few ones that really sort of highlight what you talk about. So with that, the first one, Permission, Permission Marketing by Seth Godin. I think it's, it's an old one. You can still get copies of it on Amazon. Uh, yes, the book is old, you know, and it might not reference a lot of the modern technologies today, but those methods in there are truer today than they ever, ever have been without any shadow of a doubt. And I think if you really want to get good at marketing, then start with that book without a shadow of a doubt. It's a nice, easy read. Obviously, Seth is the, 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 the godfather of marketing and that's such a good book despite its age. I think it's it's more relevant today than ever. Um, the second one is probably quite a few years old again, but it's called Control or Delete by uh, one of the best best podcasters around when it comes to digital and technology and that's by mitch joel um, who does his podcast six pixels of separation um and um, that book is very much about hitting reset uh and actually in looking at again where technology can be into business and so you know and so how can we rebuild this company and take advantage of technology and doing that you know taking that digital reset uh, for a business of so control alt delete by mitch joel is my second recommendation uh, and the third one is, um, it's a bit of a coffee table book in terms of its size, but it's called X, When Experience Meets Design by Brian Solis, uh, previously of the Altimeter Group. So again, a very well-respected consultant. 
in the digital transformation space. And it's very much around digital transformation. The whole book um, gives lots of examples of, yeah, where that, you know, how to craft those digital experiences, but also how to combine that with design, which is not, it's not a strong suit of mind design, but I find it an absolutely fascinating read where it sort of does that combination of how to craft and design a, a digital experience and combine that with design to craft, yeah, incredible customer experiences. Brilliant, brilliant. Thank you, David. And all three I haven't read, but they're on my reading list now. <laughs> Thanks. And do you have any exciting projects you're working on right now that you'd like to share with the listeners? Um, I've got it. The one I'm hoping to be launching very, very short. I'm just finishing off some other bits first, but I've got a new project, uh, a new product I'm hoping launching uh, around compliance for small businesses. So uh, trying to really make that as easy as I possibly can. Particularly uh, for my sins, I'm a GDPR practitioner. So, um, but trying to really put together a really simple monthly low cost subscription to keep small businesses, more small and medium businesses, uh, to try to make it affordable and easy touch for them to be able to ensure that they're compliant. I do a lot of work for large organizations in their space as well, but this is a, a product I'm hoping to launch in the next three months. That's specifically for smaller businesses who want that low cost monthly subscription to give them peace of mind that they're compliant and get all the documentation they need to be ensure compliance. Brilliant. And I'm sure it will add a lot of value to a lot of businesses. I'll drop the link in the show notes as well. And finally, where can our listeners best find and connect with you online? Uh, everything is, is my name. It's David Mark Shaw. I can't rank for David Shaw because there's too many famous uh, deep sea divers and American football coaches called <laughs> David Shaw. So I have to use my full name, David Markshaw, uh, com is my email address and all the social channels where I'm on them. I have to try and be mindful about how much time I spend on them. <laughs> so uh, Facebook and Twitter are probably the only two I've really got left there for a variety of reasons. But yeah, David Markshaw, uh, anywhere on the internet is where you find me. Brilliant. David, it's been a pleasure. Thank you very much for sharing all your insights. No, my absolute pleasure. I really enjoyed it. Thank you, Dante. This podcast shares experiences and insights gained from business, IT, and digital finance. Hosted by two leaders who have made the leap themselves, this show is dedicated to helping listeners think differently about their career aspirations. 